Before we start the show today, I want to tell you about Serve HQ. Every church leader knows that having trained and engaged volunteers, it's essential to successfully accomplishing your mission. But if you're like most leaders, you also know it's really tricky to onboard, equip, and ongoing do training with your leaders and your volunteers. What if there was a resource to make it easier? I'd love to recommend to you Serve HQ. Serve HQ is simple video training courses that help you equip volunteers and develop your leaders. You can create your own training or just use their video library. You can even automate the next steps to onboard new people really simply. Check it out at servehq.church and the link will be down in the show notes. Servehq.church. I grew up in the 90s. It was very different. Like I didn't have the same struggles. I didn't have a phone to look at. You know, I I rode my bike. I played Heads Up 7-Up. I you had squirt guns. It was a different generation. I went, played outside. Like I think if we don't disciple our young people, somebody will. And I think it is unfair to put the discipleship of a teenager on a youth pastor once a week for 30 minutes. Dads have to do their jobs. Moms have to do their jobs. If not, you will lose a whole generation. It's interesting when you look at all the big companies right now, they know how to target and how to disciple. All the news outlets know how to disciple. We have to learn how to disciple. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season nine, episode 14. And actually, this is the last episode of the season, the last episode of 2022. We've had an amazing roundup of guests yet again. And I've learned, I hope you have learned, if you haven't had a chance to listen to this, I'm go back, scroll and see what are some of the topics that have interested you that you just haven't had a chance to, to hear from. And of course, what do you want to hear next. We'd love uh, to hear from you. So um, if there's somebody you want us to talk to, if there's a topic you want us to go into, then would love to hear from you about it. Today's episode is Brian Barcelona, and he leads this massive campus movement across the U.S., and he is really basing this movement around digital reach, how to reach college and university students digitally. That's where they start all these conversations. So if you're wondering how to reach young people, you're trying to figure out some creative new ways to do stuff online, you're going to love this conversation with Brian. Thank you so much to our sponsors who have made this just this entire season possible. I feel so grateful to partner with these organizations that are doing things that make a real difference in your local church community and around the world. That's the whole point. So SurveyHQ is where you can train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members fast and easy. SurveyHQ, it's in the show notes, SurveyHQ.church if you want to check out more. And of course, Compassion Canada, they've been a long time supporter, sponsor, but more than that, a true partner in this podcast. Compassion Canada is lifting children from poverty and hunger in Jesus' name. And there's a huge opportunity for us right now to get involved in a crisis with hunger in the world. And Scripture Untangled, which is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. I've been involved behind the scenes on that podcast as well. And if you like podcasts and you want to learn more about the Bible, 
Bible, want to dive deep, get your brain going, Scripture Untangled is a place to untangle Scripture. You're going to love it. All right. If you haven't already seen us on our YouTube channel, we say it all the time. We'd love for you to hit subscribe there. Check out the video versions of the podcast or also just a huge catalog back catalog of not only this podcast, but tutorials. We have a ton of tutorials on there. Would love for you to check them out. All right. Let me tell you a little bit more about Brian Barcelona, and then we'll dive into that conversation. Brian Barcelona is the founder of One Voice Student Missions and the Jesus Clubs. So since 2009, Brian has been a leader on the forefront of youth evangelism about high school students and then beyond into college. And it's all about Jesus. It's surrendering, surrendering your life to Jesus and making your own school a mission field. So Jesus Clubs has grown into thousands of people giving their life to Jesus across America. And he's also written this new book called Don't Scroll, Evangelism in the Digital Age. And it's inspiring this kind of how-to manual of how to share the gospel using digital tools and things that he has found has worked to reach this generation. So please enjoy and lean in. Brian Barcelona. Brian Barcelona, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm so pumped to have you on the podcast. So excited. Thank you so much. Uh, now, before we go too far, just can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Um, you're, you're new to me. And now that I'm entering your world, I'm so glad to know that you exist. So please, uh, please tell everybody what you're up to over there. Yeah, I'm Brian, married almost eight years, three kids, one on the way. And been a privilege to be a part of a community and a ministry called One Voice Student Missions. And so One Voice has been reaching schools for um, 13 years. And in the last uh, two years of that, um, our, yeah, two years of that, um, we have pivoted digitally. And so it's been crazy. Now... Okay, let's start there then, because when you say you've pivoted digitally, was this like this was a strategic move or this was COVID shut stuff down and you were forced to do it? Like which came first? It was a little bit of, well, I would say we always had a heart for digital, but didn't know how we pivot. And COVID definitely thrust us into that. Right. So... I mean, maybe tell us, like, let's dive in. I mean, let's tell tell us the story. I mean, you you and I share this passion around digital evangelism, and we're made digital. Obviously, is a podcast for people who are listening. They know that we talk about digital evangelism and discipleship, but but what we're dealing with today with you, Brian, is like a real life example of how it's being lived out in real time, learning as you go. So, how did this begin then for you? Like, you sort of came into it half by mistake mistake, half COVID forced you into it. Um, but like, how did this start? My understanding is there were a couple students who were involved. Yeah. I mean, our, the digital journey for us was one of the guys on our team, Aaron, he had a dream of just seeing an online event called Gen Z for Jesus. Wow. And, uh, and we thought maybe 50 people would come and 25,000 streamed in. Whoa. <laughs> Okay. Wow. And so like, how did they find it? I mean, if you're going from, you know, 50 to 25,000, what were the ways that the word got out to all these people? Honestly, it was just something that went viral. We did an event. We chose to not uh, promote speakers, bands, anything. And uh, 
just said, come for God, come for prayer, fasting. Um, and people came. I think it was really a call from the Lord. It was so wild. Wow. Wow. And so that's where kind of it launched this. That was the thing that kind of launched like, oh, there's something here. Like this isn't just like 50 students showing up. This is tens of thousands we, of people. We knew that there was an invitation. Yeah. And so where did you go from there? Yeah. Like keep telling us, kind of help paint us the story of what happened here. Uh, you know, when you've got 25,000 people showing up all at once that you weren't prepared for, what did you do with all these people? <laughs> We did what our event was called to do, prayed, fasted, preached the gospel. And then that really launched us into discovering what would it look like to do this consistently. Right. And 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 specifically you mean consistently online? Online. And um okay, so so then like what does that look like? How are you using online tools, smartphones. Yeah. Like try, I guess I'm trying to get a, a picture of the ministry as a Everything. whole. Yeah. Like, so tell us more about it. What does this look like today? I mean, you've seen the news, you know, that the news has narratives. They say the same thing across almost every channel repeatedly over again. And what you have is societies that believe what they say, whether it's true or it's not, I won't get into that. We have the same concept with the gospel in digital. We constantly share the good news. We constantly share the word consistently. And it becomes a narrative of young people's lives. Except we're saying, hey, you can be free from depression. You can be free from suicide. God has a plan for your life. There was at one point our team of 30 missionaries were putting out 4,500 videos a month um, as a community. Wow. And so that was how we branched into the digital space. Um, and so when you're talking about that, when you're saying 4,500 videos, what, like what platforms are you using? Where are you connecting with people? Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, TikTok. Uh, I think our TikTok is at 1.1 million. At one point we were reaching anywhere from five to seven million views a month. Wow. Through just one page. We also had all of our influence, all of our influencers and missionaries get on. They created channels and pages. So it's really been a collective effort of, of a community preaching the gospel. Yeah. And you're seeing, obviously, like there is a, a technique to it, I guess, at some level of like content, content, content. You're talking about thousands of videos from a bunch of different people. Um, but then it's interesting, like, obviously, this is a TikTok generation. You're if you're talking to students. Um, yes. you know, when you, I know there are still some people who are, who are nervous about a new platform like TikTok. Um, what might you say to them who are listening? Because you guys have seen huge uptick in, well, like ministry opportunity there, but you know, what would you say to other people who are, who just haven't gotten there yet themselves, or maybe aren't even sure if they want to. Like what would be their reason you would say they would have to not? Well, I think. Or what's yeah. some reasons you Yeah, have? okay, that's a great point. I think there's two sides. One side is people who are nervous about just they're not good at it. It's a new thing. So new things are hard. And especially if you're older, uh, you know, you feel like, am I too old and awkward to do this thing? And then I think the other side is people who are sort of maybe digital naysayers, maybe they wouldn't call themselves that, but people who are concerned about the kind of content you see on TikTok, the kind of addictive nature, um, sexual content, all that kind of a thing. Um, so maybe two different camps of concern, but what what have you been seeing and what would you say to people who are a little bit nervous about it? 
social media, people are on it. Here's the thing. I always meet people. Well, I don't know if I can get on it for the gospel. You're already on it. You spend hundreds of hours in your lifetime scrolling, laughing, looking at all these other things. Anyways, why not utilize that space to share the good news? So I don't think people have a fear. I mean, there might be a couple people that are like, I'm just very anti-social media. Then I hope they have another outlet to preach. But I would say a good majority of people, they're not scared of social media. They waste their lives on it all the Mm -hmm. time. It's repurposing that social media to be used for the gospel. Right. So thinking about the platform differently and maybe having the courage to try. Like to just try it. If you're doing, if you're on there anyways, just try it uh, because you're already there. Um, Or maybe, I guess, maybe not on TikTok, but that they would have an opportunity to learn. Yeah. And and so what is, um, you know, what is some of the content that you're seeing is resonating with people? Are there any themes to that? Or like, again, when people are thinking like, I need to do this, I need to get on there and try to do this more in my own life. Um, are there certain themes or questions or, um, ta- you know, s- stuff that people are like, this is what I'm longing to find and I'm not seeing this anywhere else on the internet? Short and to the point and truth. You got to remember, I, I, so I'm a millennial. I grew up in the celebrity Christianity uprising in my generation. I'm pretty sure your generation had it too, where they were just more TV sensations. Mine was social media sensations. Well, how, how old so do you think I am, Brian? <laughs> I'm a no, millennial no, no. too, man. I'm just saying like, <laughs> I was, I was, so I was born in 90. Yeah. And so in my, in my upbringing in the church, um, I seen the outbreak of like social media, whatever. Gen Z, the generation we are in today, they do not care about celebrity Christians or following because fame is something they obtain very quickly. And so when you look at, um, when you look at, um, you know, one of my friends, David Ladding, at the age of 18, he had 1.2 million followers. Mm. You know, you look at um, some of these other young guys, 2 million followers. What they look for is authenticity in the message that you speak. They look for truth in the message that people are communicating. Right. And yeah, what are you seeing around just a, an interest in in the gospel? Because of course, there's so many, I mean, like on TikTok alone, like there's just so many competing ideas, voices, um, uh, spiritual options out there. Um, what are you seeing is like um, um, the the level of interest in Christian content or that kind of Christian truth? Because of course, there's a lot of like deconstruction of church and people seeking other ways to connect with spirituality, whatever that means. And there's lots of that on yeah. the market. I, I think it's like anything. It's sometimes the minority is just louder than the majority. Mm-hmm. Sadly, and that's what I see in social media. I could feel like, man, is everyone deconstructing? Is everyone turning progressive? No. I mean, it's probably a very small niche of people. Um, you know, they are out there. And don't get me wrong. Like that does exist. But I think the vast majority of people that I've seen in Generation Z, there was a longing for truth. There was a longing for 
for the gospel, there is a longing for a clarity of message and honestly a longing for a message that calls them to lay their life mm-hmm. down. I think, again, you know, as a millennial growing up, you, you know, we, we just felt like that wasn't really preached a lot. At least for me, when I was younger, I know, other than a few handful of men in my life, you know, Lou Ingle and a few others, it was, you know, we got Guitar Hero and drinking soda through a sock. <laughs> you know, there, there wasn't these calls of holiness, righteousness, Bible reading, like these wild messages. Give everything you have. I mean, I don't think there was much of a price that I had to pay like kids mm-hmm. do today. To be identified as a Christian, you're a nationalist, you're uh, this, you're, they, they categorize you in all of these things. Where in the next decade, being a Christian is probably going to be a very negative thing. It's not going to be something that people wear the Christian t-shirt like they used to 30 years ago. Interrupting this conversation with Brian Barcelona because we're talking about people coming to faith in Jesus. And for a lot of people, the Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, or even hard to believe. And that's why I want to tell you about a new podcast, Scripture Untangled, this new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. It's bringing you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers, Bible scholars to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. You can listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening or watching right now, or visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more info. The link always down in the show notes. Yeah, I think that's definitely true that there's like a shift in thinking around Christians. And that's, I guess, why I'm curious to see like, as you say, there's these loud voices and then there's this undercurrent of hunger for the gospel. Um, and so how are you helping equip students for that then? Because it's not going to be, uh, as easy, you know, for, for someone to, to navigate the world as a Christian, as you say, you're not going to want to, maybe not as many people are going to wear the t-shirt. Uh, it's not as cool or even like, it's maybe offensive to people, the Christian way of thinking. Um, yeah. How do you talk to students about that? What, what are you, um, what are you equipping them for? I, when I do altar calls now for people to get saved, I do a few things. Number one, I don't have them close their eyes. I think that that is one of the biggest injustices of the greatest decision of someone's life is their salvation. It's like going to a wedding and then the bride's coming and you're like, close your eyes. Like how the bride would be like, open up your <laughs> eyes. It's ridiculous. Like, I think that, you know, looking at, how we've done things. We've almost made the gospel like this timid, shameful thing. No, open your eyes. When we do altar calls, we say, hey, this is what this means. You are giving your life solely to Christ. The Bible is your foundation and your way of truth. Um, You will be hated. People will not like you. There is a very clear call. You'll pick up your cross, deny yourself, follow Christ. I think that's what we communicate to young people. It's what Jesus communicated to his Mm. disciples, you know? And I, yeah, I just, I think that that that's what they are flocking to more than anything. You know, the number one, one of the number one questions that we would get in our text number we started in the last two years was end times. Are we in the end times from kids? And so they're not stupid. We're in the generation of information is at their disposal. I mean, but information doesn't e- equate to knowledge or wisdom. There's a very big difference. 
So they have tons of information, but it doesn't mean they have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, and as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about the ideas of censorship as well. Like, are you seeing that on platforms? I know some people have said that your stuff isn't going to get as viewed. Uh, there's, there's sort of like a filtering or a censor. Do you find that on social platforms? Obviously you're having huge yeah, views, but yeah. Of what course. are you seeing with that? Of course. But why, why would you want watered down messages circulating? I mean, it's like one of those things like, you know, obviously there are topics that I think are not for a 30 second mm. video. You know, you know, obviously my stances are biblical stances on marriage, biblical stances on life. I will die with those stances. But am I going to convince someone in a 30 second video? Probably not. Maybe sitting down having a conversation with someone, looking someone in the eyes, they'll understand, why are you pro-life? Oh, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant with me. You know, my wife who shares this publicly, you know, was an immigrant from El Salvador who had an abortion. Don't, don't tell me I can't understand about pro-life. You know, I, I understand a lot more than you probably think. Oh, family. Let me explain my family. I was beat for 10 years, come from an abusive home. Let me explain to you. I'm not going to get my heart across in 30 seconds. I think some believers got to ask themselves, do you just want to pick an unnecessary fight or do you actually want to communicate something that could really change a life? And that really goes down to the motive of who's making that content. I've made so many posts that I've written out and I didn't mm. post. <laughs> I was so close, because, but I realized, man, this is not truth. This is just my opinion. Yeah. And you have to decipher the difference. And I'm not saying that what I would have said wouldn't have rallied some people, but I think about the long spectrum, man, I want to keep evangelizing to people. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about biblical truths. I'm talking about just things that I see in the world. And I think that's what so many people are fighting over. Yeah. Well, and I love that idea. You use this phrase, long-term evangelism. Um, what does that look like for you in digital missions? Because of course, uh, everything is so instant. You know, the popular video from five days ago is no longer popular. You know, things aren't trending the way, like things aren't trending for a long time, but you have a, you're trying to have a long-term view. Can you share more about that? When I think about the apostles, I'm take Peter. I don't know when Peter's conversion happened. I don't know if it was the moment he left his nets or if it was the moment he says, you are the Christ. I don't know. But somewhere in that three-year window, yeah, he was converted. And when I think about long-term evangelism, and I love the West, I love America. I'm an American, and I love what America's done with the gospel. We've been a, a ascending nation for decades. When I look at um, the way we do things in the West, it's not quite the same as how Jesus did it. Not that it's wrong, but it's just not quite the same. Jesus never did an altar call and said, accept me into your heart. Mm -hmm. He said, follow me. And in that journey of hearing and seeing truth, there was a decision made in the heart of, pe of those people. I look at the digital space the same. Every video you put out, you are giving somebody the opportunity to be discipled into conversion. And that was what Jesus's model was. We convert and then we disciple. He discipled and then they converted. So that's where you even, that's where it even gets technical. And you can, I mean, I'm not going to get into this now, but you know, we're technically the disciples saved according to our Western version of salvation. You pray a prayer. 
Were they technically saved? I don't know. They were doing the works. Maybe it makes more sense to say, not all of me say, Lord, Lord, we casted out demons in your name. Doesn't mean you were right with God. I think those are questions we have to ask ourselves. Like we get so hung up sometimes on our Western methods, which work in the West, but I don't think I can go do a crusade in Iraq and hold a massive gathering with tens of thousands of people to preach the gospel. What do I do there? Because if it doesn't work in other nations, it doesn't work at all. In a global world, that's so true. Yeah. In a global world. Yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I can't do a crusade here or an event here, like, but I'm saying like, if my method of communicating only works for stadiums, can I have a conversation with an individual? Will it work in the mm-hmm. digital space? And so you're hosting these events online that are around, like, as you say, like you're, it sounds like you're doing like digital altar calls, but then you've, you've got salvation invitations, you've got biblical teaching. And I think maybe you're doing, um, baptism, healing, deliverance, like, can you talk about what is that? Like, how, what does it look like to baptize? Cause I've seen some of this, but for people who, um, maybe haven't like baptism on online, what is, what does that look like for you? Well, we did baptisms via Zoom because we could not get to anybody yeah. during the pandemic. So when everyone was locked down, kids were getting saved. You know, they were accepting Christ. They were telling us some comments. They were texting in. We would send them discipleship videos, connect with them. We were doing Monday Zooms, discipling these kids in the Bible. We were saying, hey, you need to get baptized, but we can't get to you. So we would say, do you have a pool or do you have a tub? If you have any of those, fill them up. Monday night, we're going to get on the Zoom, get your parents' permission. We're going to get on the Zoom and we're going to pray, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they would dunk themselves into the water and bring themselves out. There was even a kid, maybe due to his economic status, they didn't have a pool or a bath. So he gets a bucket of water. Wow. And he says, can I be baptized with a bucket of water? Believe it or not, we actually had Christians that came against us and said, that is not scriptural. And I said, wow, so is the faith in the amount of water or is it in the act of obedience to God? And I had one of my buddies who's been a missionary for 20 years. He says, anyone who would say that's not scriptural has probably only done church and their faith in America. They've never known what it's like to go to persecuted countries where you can't just go baptize in the river. Or just go to an Episcopal church. <laughs> I mean, they dribble it on your exactly. head. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They would go and just dump this bucket of water and you were just, it's so authentic because there's no hype in it. Hmm. There's no nothing hype about filling up your bath. You look, you probably feel stupid at times. Filling up my bathtub. I'm on a Zoom with 300 kids. Yeah. They don't care. They're encountering God. Got to pause this conversation with Brian because here's what you also need to know today. Right now, the world is facing an unprecedented global food crisis. I don't know if you know that, but the numbers are staggering. 828 million or nearly 10% 10 of the world's population have been affected by hunger this last year. And just in context, that's 46 million more than the year before. So it's hard to know what to do and how to carry that kind of huge news, huge, hard information. But here's the good news. Compassion's local church partners are on the front lines 
and they are responding. There are simple and tangible ways we can partner to answer hunger with hope. Imagine not knowing where your next meal is coming from or how you're going to feed your kids today. Compassion is answering the call. And this year's Gifts of Compassion gift guide includes gifts specifically targeted at meeting the critical needs brought on by this food crisis. So you can give at compassion.ca slash shop. As always, the link will be down in the show notes, but that's compassion.ca slash shop. Now, I love I love what you're saying. It's like the anti-hype. It's, you're talking about the longing for something real they're not necessarily looking for. And even in just like trends in general online from like the perfect Instagram life to this like TikTok style that Gen Z is really resonating with is just uh, just more raw, more real. It's the iPhone shot. It's not the DSLR camera. It's the, the microphone they're holding in their hand and it's got all this feedback and thumping on it. You know, it's just like low budget stuff. They're sick of being sold to. It's true. And that's why I think the digital space is perfect because it's not about high production. Mm. It's not about any of that. I mean, you can make content on your phone and reach people and they'll encounter God, you know? Yeah. And when you're talking about content and you're thinking of people listening, what are some themes uh, you would say, like, here's some stuff people would love to, to like people in, in our own audiences would, would be longing for, like, are there certain topics around, like, as you said, end times was a big one. Yeah. Are there others that you're like, if people are going to start, like, here's some stuff that they, they may want to think about because it's a huge need. Yeah. What breakthrough have you had in your life? What has God set you free from? I mean, you could argue the book of John, but how are you going to argue that I was broken in a divorced family, abusive home, and here I am. Like, it's your story. I think hearing the voice of God, we would do videos just saying, hey, we're going to pray to hear God's voice. We'd pray for 20 seconds. We'd go silent. And then we'd say, comment, whatever you heard God say. Thousands of comments of kids hearing the wow. voice of God for the first time. Everything you would do in a church or in a Bible study, you just do it online. And it's good for you because typically people feed off the reaction of crowds. With digital, you can't do that. You have no idea who this, this podcast is going to reach. Yeah. You, as someone in the digital space, you yourself cannot even be um, at all moved by the reaction because even on here, there's no one else right now on this video, but we can't see the reactions of the crowd, but it doesn't mean God's not moving in their lives. It doesn't mean someone's going to watch us and be like, maybe God's calling me. Yeah, I love that. That's so true that it... it- in some ways you can't gauge it, but it's like an act of trust uh, to say like, okay, like I know like how many people who when we talk about preaching online during COVID, it's like you're filming into a void, you're talking to a camera, you don't know what's on the other side, but that like God was using it in all these crazy ways. Um, I, I'd love to get in your insights around the idea of, you know, as you've said, like coming out of like us, like the celebrity culture in church and in you know, social media platforms too, you can have this celebrity culture of like Brian Barcelona, the name, the face, this guy I look up to versus um, um, like a team approach or like, like, you know, multiple people. I think some people are reluctant to put their face up front because they don't want to go to the celebrity route, but they're the one who's been gifted with something to say. So I don't know if you can understand what I'm trying to, to get at, but how are you, how do you wrestle with that? Like being the face versus a group of faces on a team. How do you guys navigate that at one voice? Yeah. I think that that is purposeful culture setting. 
I purposely decentralize one voice. I purposely raise up other voices. I'm not the biggest following. I mean, I started one voice 13 years ago. And there's a guy that I discipled for five years in one voice who has 1.1 million followers. I got maybe half a million. Mm, right. I don't really, it doesn't bother me. Like I, I champion those people. And so I think decentralization must be vital to every organization to survive. If what you build dies with you, that's not Jesus's model. Yeah. Jesus built, he never built buildings per se. He built people. And so you can't stop someone from admiring you or, you know, man, I look up to you. Praise God. Like, it's not bad. They're going to look up to us or look up to someone else. Might as well be somebody that's pursuing God. But I think decentralization and empowerment has to come from its leader and it has to come from its core. Right. And so you can't get away from being a face, but how do you empower, like a face on the internet, uh, you can't shy away from that, but you're also empowering all these students you're developing into doing it for themselves, modeling what you want them to do. We are. And we just, we teach people, we empower people. We say, man, you can go do this. Like, you know. If you ever go to our pages, you're not going to find um, just all of my sermons uploaded. Like, I'm not Moses coming down from a mountain, giving the people what the Lord is saying. I am here to empower people that hopefully one day when I die, you know, everything that we built. That's that's one of actually the things we always say within our community. Like, we're, we're not building for us. Like, we're building for our kids. We're building for our grandkids. Mm-hmm. I want to be 80 years old one day and just say, here, here's everything we've built. Here's millions of dollars. Here's properties. Here's community. Here's culture. Go. Run. Yeah, I love that. Long Again, like you're talking about long-term view in evangelism, long-term view in like your ministry impact, this generational ripple effect. Um, But when you think of maybe like the next year, we're kind of coming into like a new school year, a new thing for some people are already in the new year. Some will start in the next number of weeks. Um, What what is exciting for you? Like when you're looking ahead, what's got you excited about what you're planning or what are some new things emerging maybe on the internet? Like I'd, you know, I'd love to, to know what's coming up. Yeah. Well, we're doing tons in person again too. So we have a stadium event in September on the third in Dallas. Uh, we're launching back into schools um, in the fall. Was it August? We are, you know, we're utilizing our platforms to train kids all over the world. So I think it's, I don't think it's or, I think it's and, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that excites me to see the digital stuff now bleed into the in-person. Yeah. And, and you know, if we can, as we come to a close, you've been sort of sharing little bits of of your story as we've talked. You've weaved in a little bit of your your own journey. Um But I I guess I'm curious to know, you know, out of your own heart and what God's done in your life, like, why does this matter to you? Uh, What what do you feel like is at stake in the lives of these students that like gets you out of bed every morning, drives you to keep doing this? Um, Yeah, I'd just love to hear more of your own heart. I think for me, what has always gotten me up out of bed was the call of God. I think that there is... You know, God told me to do something, you know, what, 12, 13 years ago. And 
he doesn't, I don't feel like God talks to me every day. I mean, there's people that are like that. They hear God every day. I'm like, man, that's a blessing. But I just try to do the last thing he said. And I have seen all of the fruit from my life come from obeying the simplicity of what he said. He said, schools will be reached. Young people will be saved. My message was to remain the same, but the method was totally on the table. Whether that was for 10 years reaching kids in schools or for another 10 years digital or crusades, whatever it may look like, we're just going to keep going with whatever we feel like the Lord is saying. Yeah. And like, I guess, this, you know, on the flip side, like the the what's at stake, the, you know, if we don't reach this generation, if we don't go where they are, you know, what are you seeing happening um, to young people where like that are lost? I would say we're already seeing the effects of that. Mm. You know, I don't, again, I, I grew up in the nineties. It was very different. Like I didn't have the same struggles. I didn't have a phone to look at. You know, I, I rode my bike. I played heads up seven up. I had squirt guns. It was a different generation. I went, played outside. Like, I think if we don't disciple our young people, Mm. somebody will. And I think it is unfair to put the discipleship of a teenager on a youth pastor once a week for 30 minutes. Dads have to do their jobs. Moms have to do their jobs. If not, you will lose a whole generation. Yeah. It's interesting when you look at all the big companies right now, they know how to target and how to disciple. All the news outlets know how to disciple. We have to learn how to disciple. Brian, uh, thank you. I think it's challenging. I think people are going to be intrigued by what you're talking about to uh, to want to go follow what's going on online. They like people need to follow you. If people want to find you, your ministry, this not just you. Of course, you've got a whole movement of people. But where do you want to point them today? Man, any of our social pages. You know, Brian Barcelona. Or I have a website, Brian Barcelona. One Voice, Gen Z for Jesus, the Jesus Clubs any of those platforms that can go and get connected with us. Awesome. And then the new book is Don't Scroll Evangelism in the Digital Age. Thanks so much, Brian. Yes, thank you. Well, my friends, that is a wrap to another season. Thank you so much to Brian, but to 14 different guests across the season who brought us thoughtful content and have shared what God is doing in their work, you know, around the world. It's amazing and it's inspiring. And I hope you have a chance to go back and check out some episodes you might've missed. Next up for a lot of us is gonna be some Christmas and New Year's stuff. I'm going to Central Asia for Christmas this year. If you wanna follow along, find me on social media. But uh, it's gonna be a bit of a time and then coming back in the new year with new episodes, fresh things. But thank you so much to our sponsors of this whole season, season nine, who've made this possible. Compassion Canada, who is lifting children from poverty in Jesus' name, truly a partner to Word Made Digital. The new podcast, Scripture Untangled, another amazing partner in the Canadian Bible Society. But Serve HQ, it's been so fun and so meaningful to have them on board because I see this problem all the time in churches that I serve. How to train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members online fast and easy. You can do it with Serve HQ. ServeHQ.church down in the show notes. Thanks so much to all of them for making it possible. Thanks to you for making this possible. If you didn't listen, like, share, subscribe, rate, uh, we wouldn't have a podcast very long. So thank you so much. It means so much to me to know that this 
might connect with you, might help you. If it does, please share it with some other people. It's how we get the word out and uh, how we get the good word out. All right, my friends, see you in 2023 with more Word Made Digital.